Let's open our Bibles to the book of James, James chapter 4. We're continuing in our study of the book of James. We began in February, and uh, we're down to the latter portion in chapter 5. Last week, we unpacked uh, verses 13 through 15 of James chapter 5, and we're going to continue in this section here for a little while. James kind of put a lot of a lot of stuff there towards the end as we conclude this book. And I always find that when I teach through a book or preach through a book, I'm just now at the place where I can go back and start studying. It's like now I just now I'm at the place where I kind of know what it's talking about, but uh, we're not going to go back and redo James. But James is uh, our series is called The Gospel on the Ground. It's dealing with the gospel for real life, authentic Christianity. Uh, how do we live out our faith in the rough-and-tumble, day-to-day minutiae of living? Is our faith just, you know, statements that we can post on a wall and affirm a couple of times a year? Or is it a faith that's working? It's, it's, James talks about a faith that works. We're not working for faith. We sometimes might get that confused, but we're not working for faith. But faith, genuine faith, is always seen in action in our life. James is not writing to pie-in-the-sky people who do not know trouble. He begins by saying, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. He's talking to us. Remember, James was the pastor of the church at Jerusalem, the half-brother of Jesus, the full son of Mary and Joseph. And so he's very pastoral. He's writing the flock of God. He's the uh, elder of the local church there in Jerusalem, and he's writing words of encouragement. And of course, we've looked at when he talks about you lack wisdom, ask of God, and we've gone through that. And all those uh, sermons are on the website uh, for your interest there. But one thing that I wanted to take uh, note of this morning because it fits into some things that uh, we want to do as a, or we have done as a church and that we want to make part of our worship time this morning is looking back at verse 14, and I'm not going to have you stand uh, and, and uh, read the scripture as we normally do, but if you have your Bibles, you can just follow along. And at verse 14, In this uh, very familiar passage to most of us, James says uh, that, well, he begins verse 13, that if any of you are suffering, what does he tell us to do? He says, let him pray. And so that whole section, verses 13 through 15, is about prayer, praying all the time. And we talked last week about praying when we're in hardship. We pray when we're happy, and we pray when we need healing. Praying all the time. But in the middle of there is something that I want to make note of, especially this morning. When he says in verse 14, he admonishes the believers, the church, that if any among you are sick, let him or her call for the healing evangelist on TV at 7 a.m. on Sunday morning. Is that what it says? No, let let him or her call for the elders of the church. And we're going to talk briefly this morning about elders. And as part of our uh, time here this morning, we are going to have a elder commission of the two elders that you as the members of Grace Church uh, affirmed overwhelmingly 
uh, Jim Hender and Don Corder, and we are going to uh, lay hands on them. And I would just pray, and we're going to do it all in the normal uh, time here. It's not going to be a one o'clock uh, service that we get out. It's, I just want to address your attention to some things in Scripture, but we're going to incorporate that into our uh, message here this morning. And I would just ask that uh, you remain the entire time. A lot of times there's, you know, beating the door and slipping out, but this is an important, if you're a part of Grace Church, if you're a member of Grace Church, this is important to us as a church. And so I would just ask that you give attention. I believe what we're doing today honors the Lord. Hopefully every Sunday we're honoring the Lord, right? But especially when we do uh, and are part of the commissioning of elders, that I believe that that is uh, very important as a church body. They, they don't like for me to say that we're, they're being committed. They might want to be committed but afterwards, but uh, we are commissioning them. And one of the things that I just make note of, a few things here this morning, is that God calls some members of the congregation to be leaders of the church. They're servants of Christ and leading the flock of God in the local church. Uh, even though there is equality, that we're all, uh, all ground is level at the foot of the cross, right? But yet God gives certain individuals to serve as leaders. I'm just going to read some, or quote a few scriptures. You don't need to look them up, but it's just good to be reminded. Paul reminded the Thessalonians, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 12, he says, We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord. That's key, in the Lord. They're not just bossy people. They've got to be in the Lord, and they admonish you. Paul wrote the elders in Acts 20, verse 28. He told them these words. Pay care. He's writing now to elders, these individuals that God sets apart to lead the church. He tells them to pay careful attention to yourselves, right? That's a good place to start. Watch yourselves. He told Timothy later to watch your life and your doctrine. He tells the elders here to pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock. You notice how... The shepherd and flock, those uh, metaphors are used quite a bit in Scripture. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock, listen, in which the Holy Spirit made you overseers. We don't make elders. There's not a 12-week training course, and when you complete it, you get a little certificate, you get a little parking sticker you can put on your car, we, give you the, we show you the secret handshake, and you're an elder. That does not exist. We can't. I can't. In almost 30 years in ministry, I cannot make an elder. I can't make a deacon, the two biblical offices of the church. I can't make that. God does that. The Holy Spirit does that. And we said from the time we began to talk about this process in affirming Don and Jim, we are just acknowledging as a church what God has made obvious to the body. Because a person who is gifted to be an elder or be a deacon, guess what? They're going to do that whether they have a title or they don't. And the lights are dimming as we speak. But uh, if that's a sign to cut it even shorter, let me know, and, and we'll just light up candles. But we'll keep going. We're all right. Everybody all right? What did, I don't know what went out. Something went out up here. We're only affirming what God, you know, it's okay. If it, if it risks everything going black, don't, don't do it. So we're, we're good. 
we're just acknowledging how God has gifted certain individuals in the body to lead the church, okay? That's what we're talking about this morning. And there are pertinent scriptures. I mean, you just, you just can't be, you can't read the New Testament without acknowledging and seeing that the normative leadership structure was elders. Now, churches have a lot of freedom in how that works. The Bible doesn't give you every little detail regarding how your church structure should be. But one thing that is consistent is that elders, elders is the normative leadership structure of the church. As early as chapter 15 of of the book of Acts, the Bible says that it acknowledges uh, when they made the decision of how they are going to integrate Gentiles into the church, they acknowledged that it, the decision was good to the apostles and the elders along with the whole church. So it doesn't mean that the whole church is not involved. They're involved quite a bit. In fact, when we affirmed, and I use that word deliberately rather than vote, I just don't like it just, you know, because some people have the idea that church is like a democracy. No, it's a theocracy. God rules. God's in charge. I'm not. The elders aren't. God's in charge. We're affirming his decision and his practice in the church. And so the whole church is involved in this process when it acknowledges and recognizes the leaders. The Apostle Peter, interestingly, if you are in James and you just kind of take a little right curve there, you're in 1 Peter, and he says in uh, verse 1 of chapter 5, he says, I exhort the elders among you. What are we assuming? He's assuming that people are getting this letter, that there are elders in place in the church. There's elders. There's these, these leaders the Bible talks about. And I love what it says here. Here's Peter, the apostle Peter, and he says, I exhort the elders among you, and he says, as a fellow elder... What does that tell you? It wasn't that he's not acknowledging that he's the first pope. He's saying, I am a fellow elder along with you. I am a leader among leaders. I think that's important that we acknowledge that and see that in Scripture. And here's just a phrase I'll repeat to just make it simple. Elders are servants of Christ that feed and lead the church family. I'll say it again. Elders, people say, well, what's an elder? Is it an elderly person? Maybe, maybe not. Elders are servants of Christ that feed and lead the church family. And so here we are in James. It says in verse 14, if any of you are sick, let him call for the elders of the church, this group of people that are to be called to come and pray for the sick individual. And so this morning, I just want to give you seven very quick reminders, truths in Scripture. And again, we're not looking in detail. This is not an exhaustive study. We gave you some material, and again, you can uh, look for these uh, later in the Bible. Later, Sean's going to come and read Scripture of the two most pertinent passages in 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1. But let me just give you these very quick things to just hang some thoughts on as we remind ourselves that elders are servants of Christ that feed and lead the church family. Elders are shepherds, number one. The Bible uses that metaphor, shepherds, 
and sheep, flock. The Old and New Testament use those things consistently. Uh, the Bible refers to elders as shepherds. Peter, in chapter 5, 1 Peter 5, he says about shepherd the flock of God that is among you. The elder's mission, okay? The elder's mission is to teach and protect and love their church. They're to love their church. Are they not loving a church building? They're loving the members of the church, the membership. Who are the members? They are the flock. They are the people, and they are to care for the sheep, to use that metaphor again, the flock of God. And why are they doing this? So that the membership, those who are committed to the local church, will grow in spiritual maturity. That's the goal, to grow in spiritual maturity in the Lord. So elders are shepherds. That sheep metaphor refers to, first of all, we get our model after the Lord is my shepherd, Psalm 23. Secondly, elders are pastoral. The word pastor in the Greek means shepherd. It's a, it's a shepherd. We are sometimes called, we call the paid preachers, pastors, and lay leaders, elders. But I think that confuses things that are, uh, those distinctions are really not made in Scripture. And we'll talk, there are different functions, but the distinction sometimes shapes our thinking in, in this way, that we view pastors as the professional ministers, okay? And that elders, well, they just kind of are the board of directors. They do whatever the paid professional doesn't want to do. That's what they do. No, that is not a good example of how the Bible views elders in the church. A pastor is an elder, and an elder is a pastor or a shepherd. Now, an elder may not necessarily be the lead pastor or teaching pastor in function, but yet they are all elders and maybe have different functions and different roles in the church based upon their gifts. But they are pastoral. Now, I'll give you an example. The apostles. Most of the time, when you look at Scripture and read, you hear a lot about, you hear a lot from Peter, John, Paul. Well, what about the rest? What are they, chopped liver? I mean, you know, what's wrong with those guys? You have primary spokespeople, and you got some that the only time you see their name mentioned is when Jesus appointed them as disciples. So you have, even among the apostles and the leaders, you have individuals that are the primary spokespeople based upon their gifts, the teaching, the, the preaching, the feeding part of the church. But it didn't mean that they are not all elders, and they're not functioning in a pastoral function. Thirdly, not only elder shepherds and are pastoral, but elders, the Bible teaches, are a team. Every time you see elders, you see plural, more than one, as a team. You always find elders in the plural sense. So each congregation, a biblically healthy church, is a church that will have a team of elders. Sometimes it's out of necessity because of the nature of the church, that there may be a single solo pastor. It's better to have a single solo pastor as the elder than a group of unqualified, immature people 
operating or trying to be elders because somehow the bylaws of that denomination says, well, you've got to have five elders. So you go out and pick five guys that, you know, they show up most of the time. They're there at least two Sundays out of the month, and you think, well, that's better than most. And you think, well, we'll make them elders. Or, you know what, this guy's visiting the church, and we want to we make him stick. So what do we do? We make him an elder. That's the worst thing you can do. The Bible says, know those who are among you. The Bible says, do not, do not lay hands upon an amateur, upon a novice. So the process of adding or having a leadership, whether it's deacons or elders, should be a slow process. It should be deliberate, it should be consistent, but it should be slow in the sense that it's prayerfully made. Because in my experience, it's easy to give out titles, it's just tough to get them back. Right? You can hand out titles all day long, and everybody loves you. Just try bringing one of those back and say, you know what, I need to, oh, you just made an enemy for life. So be careful, prayerfully careful. The Bible, and and if that pastor is in that situation, that they're the solo guy, then they should get busy trying to train some leaders. They should do what Paul said in Ephesians 4, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. So they've got to work in adding and developing leaders. Fourth, elders must be godly and model godliness. We're not talking about perfection. And nobody would be elders. Just We'll just live with it. Did we pay our light bill this month, Melanie? Was that Lakeland Electric trying to give us some hints? Elders must be godly and model godliness. When you look at the qualifications that Sean will read a little later in 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1, you notice that those are character qualities. Character qualities. I always like to say they've they got to be characters. No, they, they are character qualities of those descriptions. Elders must be self-controlled. They must be sensible. They must be holy. They must be hospitable. They can't be drunks. They can't be bullies. They can't be money grubbers. They must be above reproach. And it even says that they must have a good reputation of outsiders. Unfortunately, I've known church leaders that were wonderful. But when you asked on the outside about their business relationships, you got a different story. The Bible says that's something you should pay attention to. It does matter because they are character qualities. Peter, in that passage in 1 Peter 5, says, So I exhort the elders among you, and he says, to be examples to the flock. To be examples to the flock. We're, the elders are to be examples in godliness. They are not perfect, but they should imitate as an example the character of Christ. What are elders? Elders are servants of Christ that feed and lead the church family, and one of the ways that they lead is in godly character. The Bible's very consistent in that. But to feed and lead also means, fifthly, they should be able to teach. Remember, feed, 
Feed and lead, feeding the flock. Elders are responsible for the teaching and governing of the congregation. We'll talk about teachers, about feeding, as a shepherd feeds the flock. The Bible uses that metaphor quite a bit. James warns us in chapter 3, verse 1, and says, Not many of you should be teachers. Why? Because you will be judged with a stricter judgment. Elders must be able to handle the Word of God. They must understand doctrine. They must understand and be committed to reading and studying and dealing with those kind of issues. This may sound harsh, but let me just say it this way. The elders should know more about the Word of God than anybody else in the church. Because part of their job and part of their role is to protect and defend the church. How do we protect and defend the church? One of the ways that that is done is to protect it against falsehood and false teaching. That's part of the role of the elders of the church. Paul told Titus in chapter 1 verse 9 that the elder, the elder must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that, so that, why do they need to hold to the trustworthy word? So that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke, correct those who contradict it. How can they do that unless they know what the Word of God teaches? Unless they're willing to think and read and study and grapple with those kinds of issues. An elder who is not interested in the Word of God and reading and studying and thinking through these issues of the Christian life really shouldn't be an elder because if you are apt to teach, as the King James says, you must be apt to learn. If you're not a learner, you can't be a teacher. That'd be a good place to say amen. Now, I mean, I think this is also maybe a misunderstanding about teaching is because an elder teaching can take lots of shapes and forms. It can mean one-on-one instruction in discipling, small group classes, not just preaching and teaching to a group in a formal situation. They must be able to handle the Word of God. They must know it. They must be able to teach the Scriptures. Six, if elders are servants of Christ that feed, teaching, and lead the church family, they must lead. They must be leaders. The function of an elder is to feed and lead. Timothy, Paul said to Timothy, he said and referred, he said, let the elders who rule well, which means to govern, oversee, or manage, be considered of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. The elders have a authority in the local church. They are the governing authority under God, according to the word of God, that operate with authority in the church. That's the way God has set it up and designed it. It is not a free-for-all. It isn't just like one of those quilts. What are those quilts where everybody brings a little patch? What is it called? Patchwork. How many of you ever... Don't raise your hand. We don't want patchwork churches. Yes, we want a mosaic. We want a variety. We want it to be all colors and backgrounds and experiences... 
But when it comes to the mission and direction of the church, it should be definable. It should be understandable. It should be crystal clear of what this church is about. And that's getting tougher and tougher in our culture today. And even people that we admire and look up to are having views on critical doctrinal areas where they are evolving. I'm not even, I'm growing and I'm maturing, but there are some things that I am settled on of the Word of God. And we should be a church that is settled on foundations that we say, you know what, they come and take the building away or whatever, whatever it means. We're going to stand on the Word of God because it, it is our authority. Not the waffling of a Supreme Court or whatever government is in power. God brings them in and He'll take them out. But the Word of the Lord stands forever. We need leaders that aren't evolving in their views of morality. We need leaders in the church that have a crystal clear understanding of a biblical view of marriage that have a biblical view of truth, that aren't looking at the Bible as, well, some parts are true and some parts aren't. No, we need men who are committed to lead from the Word of God, not their prejudices, not their little, you know, quirks or impulses or their need for power. No, they are servants of Christ that lead and feed the church body. And the Bible, interestingly, in the qualification of an elder says that one of the first places that you look for those leadership skills for an elder is how they govern and operate in their home. That means they must have perfect children. If that is true, let's just shut it down now. In fact, some of the most imperfect children I know are pastor's kids. And I got a truckload of them. They're needing grace, just like everybody, all of us, right? They're not under some special, you know, little anointing magic dust in the parsonage or where the pastor lives. We live in the real world. But I, what, the, what the emphasis is, is that the character of the father must be somebody who is in control. And I don't mean control in a negative sense, but there must be some leadership in the house. The Bible says that an elder, one of the character qualities is the old, the King James says that they must be a, a husband of one wife. And that has a lot of times been interpreted as they can never be divorced. But if you look in and read and understand what that phrase means in the Greek, it literally means they are to be a one woman man. They are to be exemplary in their faithfulness to their wife. If they're flirty, and they hug women inappropriately, and they have conversations that are inappropriate with the opposite sex, I don't care if it's in counseling or under the pseudo-counseling. Let me tell you something. They need to be removed because there's something wrong. Something wrong there. They are to have a character where they are committed and faithful to their spouse. Do you hear what I'm saying? Because there's a lot of nonsense that goes on in churches. And some of it happens among leaders. And then we are act surprised when leaders suffer and fall into moral 
quagmires. And yet, oftentimes what has happened, and when I look back at situations, the phrase is, you know what? I saw stuff, and now it all makes sense. We need men who love their wives, love their families, and under God's grace are doing and leading faithfully by grace and are transparent that they're not perfect. They don't have perfect children. They're not a perfect husband. Sometimes they screw up. Sometimes they lose their temper. Sometimes they say things and do things that are not consistent with the character of a godly husband. But they are working. They're moving. They're, they're, they're desiring that God's grace mature me, and we move forward, and they lead by being examples, not of perfection, but of men that are going in this direction towards the cross, and they're desiring under God's mercy and grace to lead their families with the authority and leadership of Jesus in their home. It says an elder should be a teacher in their household because Paul says, listen, if they can't run their house, if their spouse is out of control, how in the world can they have any control or authority in the church. It's so quiet. And the last, just a good reminder, is elders are not Jesus. There's only one. Paul, or rather Peter says this, In 1 Peter 5, verse 4, he says, When the chief, writing to elders, when the chief shepherd appears, who's the chief shepherd? Jesus. Who, as an elder of the church, whose authority am I under? The chief shepherd. Who's the chief pastor? Who's the senior pastor? It's Jesus. He's the chief shepherd. And when the chief shepherd comes, we will receive the unfading crown of glory. That's who an elder's heart is desiring to serve. And that means they're willing to make tough decisions, tough choices, sacrifices. Why? To impress you, to impress me? No, because they operate and work for the chief shepherd. And they have a responsibility to him. And that means they may make tough calls. They may make tough decisions that are unpopular. I made decisions even since I've been here, that afterwards I thought, why didn't I just keep my mouth shut? Why couldn't I just leave it alone? Well, as an elder, I couldn't leave it alone. If my role and responsibility is before God, that's who I'm concerned with. At their best, elders should model Jesus' character, teach Jesus' word, and lead Jesus' church by pointing the flock, the members, to Christ. Good elders never, ever lose that self-awareness that they themselves, they themselves, as Peter said, we are, we are sheep too. We're just, we're just people of grace too. And we are dependent on that grace. Last, last thing I'll read is a scripture that really is, is just one of those reminders that over the years the Lord has impressed me is really just something I go back to time and time again to reset, recalibrate my own heart and mind. And it's something that Paul wrote in Colossians 1, 28 and 29, and I'll 
read it from the New American Standard. And this was Paul's goal as an apostle, as an elder, as a sinner saved by grace. He says this, Colossians 1, 28 and 29, We proclaim him. We, I, proclaim him, admonishing every man and woman and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that, listen to this, so that, when you see a so that, wonder why it's so that, there, so that we may present everyone complete in Christ. Why do elders, deacons, why do they do what they do? And we're talking about elders here. Because ultimately we are presenting those that God has entrusted to the care of the elders to Christ, complete. He says, for this purpose I labor, striving according, he's striving, he's laboring according to his power which works mightily in me. You see how Paul had his priorities? I'm laboring. I'm laboring. I'm working. Not lazy. Not just punching the clock spiritually. But I'm striving. I'm working. You must be a servant of Christ. And that means giving up personal things because your priority is to this flock. Elders are servants of Christ that feed and lead the church. 